Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Revolution Recap. The Revolution had a bittersweet day as they closed out their season with a 1-0 upset loss to Inter-Miami at home. But nevertheless, it was a day of celebration as the team lifted the supporters' shield for the first time in their club history. And a new era has been ushered in with the rebranding of the club announced earlier in the week. I'm Greg Johnstone. Joining me today from the Bent Musket, my boss, Sam Minton. Sam, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Obviously, I uh, would have wished the Revolution had won, so they would have been happier in the press conferences. Uh, but overall, it was very cool to get my hands on the shield. Also, just you know, be able to see them celebrate with the shield. But definitely was a weird night. Yeah, it was interesting, too, how quickly they were able to celebrate. It's always a little bit awkward when the team loses, but they end up clinching something. I remember one year, I think the Red Sox gave up a walk-off home run in in Yankee Stadium, and then they found out through it, another game had ended earlier in the night, and they found out that they had won the division, and so they ended up celebrating even though they had just lost in a very demoralizing fashion to their rival. So it's always interesting to see those types of events where – you know, you kind of have a mood change kind of randomly and it doesn't really make sense. And I think seeing the team celebrate uh, with the supporter shield after losing to a non-playoff team after really dominating throughout the game is is falls into that category. So, uh, Sam, what was your key takeaway from today's game? We're not going to talk about it too much because I, I don't think we can take away a whole lot, but still we, we could take away a few things. Uh, what was your key takeaway from today's game against Miami? Uh, I'd say my key takeaway, and it's more just hearing it from Bruce Arena and hearing it from the players, is that... The Revolution got a test of what playoff soccer is going to look like. Obviously, the game is pretty chippy. You know, the atmosphere was great at Gillette. You know, the fort was rocking and all that. So the Revolution, they got, you know, a little taste of what uh, playoff soccer look like. Obviously, Miami won't be there. The talent will be better. But, you know, Miami brought their game tonight. And, you know, they deserve the win. Obviously, the goal wasn't the prettiest of goals. But, you know, that. That's just how it is, especially in the playoffs. It doesn't matter how pretty it is. If you just get that one goal and you win one nothing, you're moving on, and the other team's going home. Uh, so overall, it's good to see they got that primer. Obviously, it'll be a long time before they play another game, but especially just to get any sort of experience, any sort of prep, it, it's nice to have a tough game to uh, end the season. Yeah, and that's going to kind of touch into my key takeaway here, which is that I'm not too concerned about the result um, for two reasons. One, not just because the result you know, doesn't matter, but more so this is a very misleading scoreline. one nothing doesn't really show you the type of game that we had here today. Um, expected goals, the Revs had 2.36. Uh, Miami had 0.7 possession. New England had 65%. Uh, New England had 12 chances created to Miami's eight. They outshot them 16 to seven. Um, Really just every single stat as you go down um, first and second half, really New England kind of dominated this game. And if this game had any sort of, um, if it mattered in any sort of way in the standings or if this was important, I think we're very frustrated at the number of chances that really slipped out of the revolution's hands today. But I think overall, if you just ignore the scoreline, you could be happy how the refs played. They looked dangerous. They created a lot of chances. There were a lot of um, positive things you can take away from the team. Um, 
if Gustavo Bo can finish a couple of chances, it's a completely different game. Um, if there's that, you know, a couple of crosses that someone's able to connect to, it's com- it's a different scoreline. So um, I, I think a lot of people are disappointed and they might read into this as not really a good omen going into the playoffs. Uh, but ultimately, I think the Revolution were dangerous and they were the better team today. Uh, and so because of that, this is kind of more or less just a scrimmage, you know, really when it comes down to it uh, going into the playoffs. And you know, you kind of said that this was a playoff type atmosphere. I, I just kind of see this as a dress rehearsal. And um, outside of the zero goals, uh, I think the revolution played fine today. Yeah. And obviously it also showed just how much of an impact Adam Buxa has, you know, his hold up play, you know, just his movement, um, his ability in the box to whether it be, you know, leap up and, you know, head the ball in or just in general, you know, get his foot on the ball. You know, you really missed that today. So Obviously, it'd be something to watch. It sounds like he should be back in time for the playoffs, but um, definitely noticed Buxa wasn't there today. You know, it was nice to see him. He wasn't walking with a boot or anything, too, as well. But the Revs definitely missed his, you know, presence in the box as well as just his quality hold-up play. Yeah, and for the people that may not have caught this news, because I believe this happened in the past week uh, after our last podcast that we did about 10 days ago, um, or maybe it was two weeks ago. It's It's been a while, but uh, it, it's reported that Adam Buchs is not going to go with the Polish national team for this upcoming international break due to injury. Uh, it was reported by a source out in Poland that he has a broken third metatarsal bone, um, which can be significant, apparently because it's the third, which means it's in the middle part of the foot. It's not as impactful uh, as opposed to maybe having a broken fifth metatarsal bone, which is something that Derrick Henry has, and he is missing potentially the rest of the season for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Wayne Rooney also had, I, I believe, a broken fifth metatarsal bone. Um, and so kind of, on, I guess, on the end of the foot, um, it's harder to cut and run on that, whereas in the middle of the foot, I guess, it's easier and faster to recover from. Uh, so, and, and also maybe it's less severe of a fracture. Um, again, I'm not a doctor. I've just read about metatarsal injuries for two days now, uh, but it seems like things are positive. It was reported, um, uh, I believe by Stan Stagecall of the athletic, uh, that Buxa is not expected to miss any playoff time. And Bruce Arena confirmed that today, uh, at the press conference, uh, but with that said, Adam Buxa was not available today. As you mentioned, Sam, he was not in a boot. So all things look good. It looks like they're just resting Adam Buxa going forward. We did get a question from David Sibillian, though. Uh, uh, Sam, I want to get your thoughts on this. With the loss of Adam Buxa, does this prove his value even more tonight? you got to think he gets at least one solid shot on goal. Uh, it sounds like you agree with David's assessment there. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think... Maybe you walk away with a, a draw. Obviously, there was a lot of you know chances for the Revolution to score, but especially some of those balls that went to the box, some of those crosses. You know, maybe Adam gets his head on it or gets his foot on it. So I definitely think you know him not being there impacted the game. Um, obviously, in his first season, uh, wasn't the best for Buxa, but especially this season, we've gotten to see what he's been capable of. Um, I believe he still won the golden boot because I think he broke the uh, tie with assists, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, but yeah, he's been great for the revolution. And you saw that tonight, just how much of an impact he can make. And obviously it's great news to hear that he should be back. But as much as I love Teal Bunbury, he kind of showed why he's more of a bench option and why you shouldn't be starting him. You need a guy like Buxa or, you know, a 
someone of Books' caliber to, you know, really compete for an MLS Cup. Yeah, and, and just to briefly touch, I think he won the Golden Boot. I think he had finished with 16 goals. Gustavo Bo finished with 15. Uh, Gustavo Bo came very, very close to his 16th goal today, but Buxa kind of holds him off for the Revolution Golden Boot of the season. Uh, so congrats to Adam Buxa for uh, that award. Um, but yeah, you know, you look at the Orlando game where the Revolution were down two goals, and you look at how Adam Buxa kind of took over that game, and he was very dominant in the air. Um, and they really missed that when Miami pushed back and parked the bus, the revolution were swinging in a lot of crosses and they were just missing that dominant aerial threat. So Adam Buxa would have been, even if he wasn't the one to score the goal, he would have drawn people away from Gustavo Bo and given a little bit more space here and there. Um, I mean, he's such a great aerial threat that those crosses are going to find him some way or the other. So I do think Buxa was missed today um, in one part because of, Towards the end of the game, they really needed his aerial ability. Uh, but as you said, too, Teal Bunbury, man, I, I love the guy. He's done a lot for the team. I don't want to disparage him a little bit, but a Gustavo Bo-Teal Bunbury pairing is not – I don't have a lot of confidence in that. And that, and I have confidence in Gustavo Bo. Um, just, he just didn't seem in rhythm. Uh, he seemed a little bit out of place. Uh, yeah, Teal Bunbury just didn't show me a whole lot tonight, so – if that's your your starting striking pair uh, up top, I, I'd be a little concerned about it. Um, and so, thankfully, Adam Buxa's injury is reportedly not that serious. We kind of expect him back, and so we do get the Bo Buxa partnership that has been working well. Uh, but yeah, they they certainly missed him tonight, and I think that with all the talk about Adam Buxa and his struggles and how valuable he is to this team, uh, I think taking him out of the lineup made you realize uh, how good he actually is to and how important he is to this offense. Yeah, and obviously, too, you kind of touch upon it, you know, with talking about Teal not exactly performing well. I know we were talking about it in the press box, me and Seth, you know, having a maybe going single striker if, God forbid, somehow Adam Busa can't play in the playoffs. Going single striker, maybe inserting a guy like Ima Boateng. Ima Boateng's the reason I messed up that stat because, you know, he was able to connect with Bo on on a goal, but he uh, Bo was off sides. Um, but Boateng once again came in and was able to make an impact, and he just continues to do that. So I think moving forward, Boateng, if he isn't in the starting lineup, which he probably isn't going to be, you know, he should be that first guy you look at when it comes to a sub, you know, being able to bring that pace and, you know, come in off the wing. And he just continues to prove how much of an impact he can make coming off the bench. He almost had an assist there in, I think, two minutes into his shift today. He came in the 71st. I think it was around the 73rd. He had a beautiful pass, a curling ball to Gustavo Bo, who Bo put right in the back of the net. Unfortunately, Bo was clearly offside, and that goal got wiped away. But instantly, Boateng uh, making an impact. So, yeah, he's going to be a very big impact sub for the playoffs uh, down that stretch when they need a goal. I, I do want to add, though, Gustavo Bo, any concerns about him? I'm not concerned about this team overall. And personally, I'm not concerned about Gustavo Bo. In general, I think he just had an off night here. Uh, but I do want to read off these stats because they are terrifying. Uh, <laughs> Gustavo Bo, eight shots. He had five off target, two blocked, one shot on target. Uh, his expected goals tonight were 1.47. Uh, so he had twice as many expected goals as Inter-Miami had as a team. Uh, he had three big chances missed. Uh, and that's according to FootMob. Not his best night whatsoever. Had a few chances that really... Um, you, 
very uncharacteristic for him not to put away. He had some pretty good service. Uh, he had some pretty clear clear shots at, at net that he just could not bury. Um, are you concerned about Gustavo Bo at all? I wouldn't say I'm concerned. It's kind of the theme. Obviously, I'm not going to freak out about the Rebs losing one nothing. I wouldn't say I'm exactly concerned. Also, too, the fact that it's not like they're playing right away, too, so it's going to be fresh in his mind. He's pretty probably going to forget about it relatively quickly. You know, focus is going to turn to, you know, the playoffs, and it's going to be a while before the Revolution play. So I think they're going to kind of get into that mentality. This is the playoffs. You know, one-offs, we need to be at our best. We need to be locked in. And so I think at the end of the day, he's probably just going to forget about it. And like a lot of the things today, it's hard to kind kind of, you know, really take stock in them when obviously the Revs had already had things locked up. They wanted to get 76 points, but it was a very ten, uh, tense, you know, intense battle. And the fact that they lost, it isn't a big deal. Thankfully, it's like champagne problems. You know, you don't have to really worry about, you know, the team losing on decision day it would have been great if they could win but it just wasn't in the cards but I, I think Bo will be fine I think he'll just you know kind of reset heading into the postseason and hopefully he got all those bad shots and everything out now and said and hopefully in the playoffs he'll uh, be putting those in the back of the net Absolutely. Uh, one other person I want to give a shout out to today, uh, a few good performances on the field tonight. I thought Brandon by and Andrew Farrell did pretty well. I thought Kessler played pretty well uh, too, although he had a yellow card, so he got taken off at halftime. But uh, Dewan Jones looked incredible today, and I just wanted to briefly mention his game. Uh, 80% passing was extremely dangerous on that left flank all night. Uh, he was also 11 for 14 on duels, uh, which as Sean Donahue uh, will say, is a very, very important stat. Uh, only two for nine on crosses, but he did have some very, very dangerous crosses that just couldn't find someone's foot, and you have to wonder if Adam Books is there. Uh, does it find a foot of someone, and is that an assist? So uh, Dewan Jones is not going to appear on your stat sheet uh, or in the assist column tonight, uh, but he had a very, very good game uh, in both ways uh, up and down the field. Uh, and that's actually going to lead me to my next question, too, uh, because we had team awards come out today uh, since it's the end of the season. Uh, Carla Heel is your man of the year. I believe he won the writer's man of the year, and he's also player's player of the year, which I don't think is much of a surprise. Uh, Adam Buxo won the Golden Boot Award afterwards. Teal Bunbury won the Humanitarian of the Year Award. And uh, Andrew Farrell won the Defender of the Year Award. It's the fourth time he's won this award. He's the first Revolution player to win a Revolution Defender of the Year Award four times. Uh, Michael Parkhurst has won it three times. AJ Soares and Francis Okara won it twice. Uh, and everyone else has won it once. Uh, so it's not an easy award to win multiple times. And Andrew Farrell has done that four times since 2015. Sam, uh, you and I both voted on this. I don't know if you want to reveal your vote, uh, but I thought... All the awards were pretty standard. There's really not a whole lot of controversy, but I thought Defender of the Year could have gone a couple of ways. So what are your thoughts on Andrew Farrell winning Defender of the Year? Yeah, I definitely think it's deserved for Farrell. It's kind of, he was the iron horse. He had, you know, all the milestones. It makes sense that he would win it. I personally, I voted for Kessler just basically because obviously he uh, the start of the season was weird with him not getting as much playing time. But I just thought if you look at best defender, he represented that. Um, there was definitely probably split votes. I think, I think Farrell probably had a decent amount of votes and then votes were split, split between Kessler and Dewan Jones. Some people, you know, voted Dewan Jones, uh, 
because he he had a great season. He it was, you know, but for him it was more his offensive ability I would say than his defensive ability. You know, seeing his ability to you know get those crosses in and just use both feet. You know, it, it was a great season for him. But I think you know when you look at Kessler, you look at defender. Um, you know, he's just always been a solid presence in the back. You know, he's not a guy that's going to make mistakes. He's going to make some great tackles, and I thought, um, you know, that he deserved to win it. I'm not definitely not mad that Farrell, you know, won it because, again, he reached all those milestones, and credit to him for just being an absolute workhorse this season. So definitely think it's a well-deserved award for Andrew Farrell. I'm actually interested uh, that you voted for Kessler because I I did an unofficial, I'll say, survey, but I – between people that have made their votes publicly known and people that I've talked to about it, I think you're one of the first person. I, I think you're actually the first person I've talked to that voted for Kessler. Um, I have to ask how much of him throwing that ball into the Philadelphia crowd, how much did that influence your vote? I mean, like maybe like one person. Oh, really? Okay. It, I, I was going to say, if, if anything, I think the strongest case for Henry Kessler for defender of the year is um, just his time wasting ability and being the most hated man in Chester, Pennsylvania. Uh, Some would say that's the best defense. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, you can't you can't score if the ball's in the crowd. So really, if you think exactly. about it, it is the best defense. Um, exactly. Yeah, I, I think Farrell, you have to give him a lot of credit because he missed, I think, one game. Um, yeah. he, he played the entire season, and that's really hard for considering how condensed of a schedule it was. Um, and we've talked about it before. Andrew Farrell is the veteran leader on that back line. Everyone on that back line, Kessler's in his second year. Dewan Jones is in his third year. Brandon Bai's in his fourth year. Um, that's still a very young back line. And, you know, Jones and Bai both were attackers in college, and they've adjusted to outside wing back very, very well. But uh, I think Farrell has helped out a lot with the gro- growth of those players, particularly Brandon Bai, who took over for him at right back. Um, and then you have John Bell, who's the third center back that Farrell pa- paired with. He was a left back until two years ago when Revs 2 signed him uh, in the pandemic season last year in 2020, uh, and he converted to left back, and then he was signed up from Revs 2 and brought in, and he, he played pretty well as a third center back this year, I thought. Um, so you have a lot of players learning new positions. They're all very young, um, and, and Farrell, I think, has excellent leadership and, and was very strong along the back line and, and played all year round. So I, I think uh, I think there's not a lot of complaints I can do about Andrew Farrell winning this award. Um, with that said, I voted for Dewan Jones, uh, and I, I don't want to reveal my co-hosts' uh, votes as well, but I, I can say that they voted for um, two different people. So there, there certainly were some arguments to be made uh, along the back line. It was a very interesting vote, uh, and I wish that they announced how the votes broke down, because I, I bet this was the closest Defender of the Year voting um, in recent history. Normally, there's one predominant favorite, and everyone kind of is on the same page, but this year, I think there was a lot of... Farrell votes and a lot of Dewan Joan votes. Um, and I'm, I'm curious to see how close, I, I wish I knew how close it was because I was a little surprised that Dewan Jones did not win it. Um, we do have some listener questions here that I want to get into today, Sam. Before we get into that, I want to talk about our sponsor, Galasso Kits. Galasso Kits' mission is to bring unique vintage jerseys to your home with a catalog of jerseys, scarves, and more from clubs and national teams from over 80 countries in the world. The passion for the beautiful game doesn't have borders, and neither does selection with every corner of the planet represented. If you are very depressed that you can't buy a crayon flag jersey from the Revolution because they didn't order enough jerseys, guess what? They have some Revolution 
Revolution merchandise at their store. So please go check them out at GolassoKits.com. You can use promo code REVSRECAP for 15% off your order. And if you don't want a Revolution jersey from them, you can check out their catalog. Sam, I know you recently checked out their mystery kit option. Uh, Can you talk about that and how thrilled you were when you opened up and saw what you found? Yeah, it was definitely an absolute blast. Um, was also able to get an Ireland training top. I've been looking for Ireland gear for the longest time, and it's definitely hard to get. So shout out to Golasso Kits. I actually, so I got a Flamengo jersey, and my favorite team in Brazil is Cruzeiro. But I have a friend, so I'm like, you know what? This is a mystery kit. I'm going to benefit it pass it on to someone else. So now he's getting a nice Flamengo jersey. It's a clean jersey. Everyone's like, why are you giving this away? But I'm just a loyal guy like that. But it's a very clean jersey. Shout out to Golasso Kits. Absolutely amazing. Also used the uh, promo code Revs Recap. So thank you guys for that. Really appreciate it. There's going to be something you like from countries all over the world, South America, Europe, Asia, Africa, um, international teams, international competitions. I think there's some NCAA stuff on there as well. Um, I haven't hit up Jay Katniss about that, but I, th- about this yet, but I'm pretty sure there's some Yukon merch on there. Uh, and their inventory is being updated week after week after week after week. So make sure you're following them on Instagram for updates. Make sure you're following them on Twitter at Galasso Kits. Uh, and again, GolassoKits.com. Please just go check out their website. You're going to find something you like. And when you do, use promo code REVSRECAP for 15% off your order. That is promo code REVSRECAP for 15% off your order. The links and the code are in the show notes. Sam, you ready to get in some listener questions here? Let's get it. All right. We're going to lead off here because uh, you talked about Boateng earlier. And this is a bit of an interesting idea. Uh, but any Revs UK says Buchanan went missing for a large part of this game. Do we start the Gotang? Uh, for our for Tejan in the first playoff game. I mean, I, I love Revs UK. I love my boy Mike a lot. But no, that you start Tejan Buchanan. He he's much more talented, and I think obviously too, as I mentioned before, Boateng is much more valuable coming off the bench. So definitely, I know Tejan struggled. You know, some people are like, oh, she so just kind of you know focus on Europe or blah blah blah. But he's able to continue to take on defenders. You know, he was taking on Brexit plenty of times tonight. And just the skill that he has, he's able to create those opportunities. So obviously, you know, might not have been playing his best, I guess you could say, in these last few games. But you could still see the skill. He's still attacking defender. He's still creating opportunities. So definitely he's someone that you want to have in your starting eleven. Yeah, there weren't a lot of Tejan moments today. Uh, I do know there was one play where uh, he kind of did a step over move kind of on the right and he shot with his left foot and the shot wasn't that great. It was kind of a simple save. Uh, There was another shot I know he had blocked. Um, Outside of that, there wasn't a ton of kind of great plays from Tejan. It was a bit of a quiet day overall. Uh, but I also think that Brandon Bay played well, and I also think that Dewan Jones played well. And it's kind of hard for all three of those wingers to kind of be uh, on the top of their game, so uh, so to speak. So um, I'm not going to put too much stock in this game today. I think you need Tejan Buchanan out there for as long as you can. Uh, and and as you said, Boateng really is the spark off the bench that you need. Uh, he's so quick. He's so fast. Uh, that when you put him into a game, uh, he, he's really going to be super effective against tired legs. So uh, it's almost something you don't want to change up his role too late in the year. Um, I don't even know if Botang has started any games. He's probably started one or two games. 
uh, just kind of in a rotation game. But I don't even know if he started with the first team this year. I'd have to go and, and look through for that. But uh, might be a change that is a little too heavy, especially this late in the year. I think you've made it, you know, 73 points on the season is really, really good. Uh, arguably the best team ever. I, I don't think you want to be tweaking too many things. And, yeah, I'm not so sure about that. Uh, Sam, I got to say, though, with Adam Buxa out, what do you think is the way forward? I know earlier you said maybe do a one-striker system and maybe put Boateng as a starter in the game. Uh, you know, they'll have a few weeks to practice this. Do you think that that is probably the, the way to go? Uh, or do you think they kind of do a diamond formation and maybe they run out Teal next time? Yeah, I think I think Teal's much better serve coming off the bench. I think that was proven tonight. It wouldn't surprise me if they go out in that two-striker, but I think they would be better you know, having Bo up top and kind of, you know, switching things in the midfield and, you know, maybe getting a guy like uh, Boateng on or, you know, depending on how Arne Tristesen does uh, over an international competition, maybe, you know, he's going to have some more confidence and you can get him onto the field. There's also Wilfred Captoum, who we didn't see at all. So, you know, maybe you're able to get him into the game. Um, also, there's Maciel, too, as well. So the Revs have a lot of midfield depth, and I didn't even mention Luis Caicedo. So, yeah, that's kind of just a testament to all their depth. So, you know, you definitely have a lot of options in the midfield that you can insert into the game and, you know, pair along with guys like McNamara and Polster and stuff like that. And it just seems like Teal just isn't able to, you know, be that starter anymore. He seems that he can come off the bench. He's going to, you know, press the opponent. He's going to show his pace similar to Boateng, just kind of, you know, going to inject some life into the game. Uh, but he's just not doing that for 90 minutes. That isn't really in the cards for Teal. So I think the Revs might be better served if, God forbid, Busa can't play. You know, rocking a one striker up top of Bo and then kind of messing around that midfield. Uh, I agree with everything you said there, so I'm going to move on to the next question so I don't repeat everything you just said. But Randy asks, uh, wasn't able to watch the game. Should this performance and result be concerning for the playoffs, or was this mostly fluky? Uh, I touched on this earlier at the beginning of the show. I think it's mostly fluky. I think the Revs outplayed Miami in all phases of the game, really. Um, just really didn't have that finishing touch today, which is partially because they missed Adam Buxa today. They missed his aerial ability. Uh, and I think Gustavo Bo. Had some chances, uh, but really just didn't have the finishing touch today. And I, I don't think we're going to, you know, there's really not a whole lot of planning around that. Uh, it's really just a bad day at the office. Uh, Sam, anything to add on to that? Uh, are you in agreement? Any disagreement? No, definitely in agreement. Don't don't overreact. It's one game and it's also the last game of the season. So let's not freak out. They're going to have plenty of time to, you know, practice, uh, you know, tweak everything they need to head of the playoffs. Not a big deal. A bit of an altered question here from Misha on discord. Uh, does the revs uh, uh, underperformance uh, after breaks. So coming out of halftime, uh, they conceded the goal uh, coming out of breaks. Were you heading into the New York city Atlanta game, especially since New York city FC is one of the two playoff teams we've lost to the season. Um, as I'm reading this question, I'm wondering if it means uh, long breaks between games. I think that's what Misha means in this question. I should have clarified before we recorded a podcast, but um, there is a long layoff here, three weeks. Um, does this concern you at all, Sam? Because uh, the matchup is going to be Atlanta United or New York City FC. That's not necessarily a, an easy first round matchup. Um, any level of concern there? Yeah, it's definitely something where the revolution have shown 
you know, whether it be the entire game coming back or at least 45 minutes coming back from one of those extended breaks, they're kind of having to find themselves. So it'll be very interesting to see, you know, what Bruce Arena, what the Revolution decide to do. Obviously, some teams have, you know, scheduled some friendlies or, you know, closed-door friendlies at times, but it's going to be very challenging for Bruce Arena to have everybody, you know, match-ready in the sense that, they're going to have such a long layoff that they're not, it's going to be really hard to, you know, replicate match intensity in practice. You know, I've been at training the last few weeks and you can definitely tell that things are kind of picking up. You can, you know, get the emotion and that, you know, the intensity is there, but there's nothing like playing in games. So having to wait that long to play a game, it's going to take a while for them to adjust in that first playoff game. It's all about, will they be able to, you know, survive that? And will they be able to, quickly move on from that, feel comfortable, and hopefully, you know, be able to win the game. So I definitely think it is concerning how they performed, but at the end of the day, that's just the playoffs. This is what we're going to have to deal with. And if the Revolution are going to be, you know, an MLS Cup contender, they're just going to have to deal with it. But it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Yeah, and Bruce Arena made comments earlier, I believe earlier this week, saying that they were considering scheduling a friendly against a USL side uh, to kind of keep fresh uh, in between games. And I think part of the reason we saw a full first team today is because he wanted to make sure his first teamers got as many minutes as possible. He wanted to have kind of this dress rehearsal for the playoffs uh, and, and to have them as sharp as possible because um, you have 10 days off from the uh, Colorado game last week, and then you have another 20 to 23 days um, until the playoff game, uh, that, that's a brutally long stretch. So it's going to be interesting to see how they come out and what the revolution do. I wouldn't be shocked if we don't have any idea what they do. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if Bruce arena kind of keeps those details very minimal to the media. Uh, it just seems like something that the revs would kind of keep in house. Uh, but at the very least, I would expect them to have a couple of scrimmages with revs too. They have a USL team in house that they can scrimmage against. Um, but I don't know how, you know, there's a pretty big talent difference between usl uh side revs 2 and new york city fc so um it's going to be a very interesting challenge for bruce arena and his staff to see how they keep up over the next few days so um we did have a couple of questions on that uh james downing says any idea what the revs are going to do stay in competitive form uh for the next 23 days uh and then p mart on twitter uh twitter also said a huge layoff coming up what type of friendly may they try and put together to keep form um, so yeah, no details on that. Bruce has kind of alluded to that. Um, I don't even know how that would work. I guess they would have to pay someone like Hartford athletic to come to Foxborough to train against them. But yeah, overall, it's not a very good situation for the revolution. And you look at Philadelphia union last year, supporter shield winners knocked out in the first round. Um, there's obviously a, if you look at the supporter shield winners, not a lot of them win MLS cup. So I think the layoff has a lot to do with it. And also too, a lot of number one seeds aren't when, I think I saw it since like 2013 or 2014, a number one seed hasn't won the MLS Cup or something or something like that. So there's a lot going against the Revolution, but you also have Bruce Arena, so that changes everything. Uh, but it definitely seems like that rest can play a big factor. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what Bruce does end up doing. Yep. Yep. It, it's a very, very big question. And I don't really know what the answer is. Uh, so hopefully they just have some intense practices and kind of keep their form up, but we'll see. Um, 
Mark has a comment here that actually is in line with your key takeaway, Sam. Uh, he says, this was a perfect example of a playoff game. Miami had six guys behind the ball for a good chunk of the game. We got to the final third, but had no way to get that last ball to drop without Adam Buxa. Crosses were useless. They hacked Carlos Hill and collapsed in the box. We need a plan for this. Uh, so the good news is that 23 days, um, you, you can do a little more planning uh, with three weeks off. Um, and especially if Adam Buchs' injury is worse than feared. Uh, but yeah, today, if that's the lineup that's going out there against Miami, they're going to have to be a little bit sharper because the uh, level of competition is going to go up for the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's just, it's been a constant theme of the revolution too. It's not, this isn't the first game where you're like, oh, the chances were there. They just wouldn't, weren't able to put them away. Even in games with Buchs, it's been a problem. So hopefully they're able to kind of, you know, narrow it down Tommy McNamara's constantly said just being ruthless and you know when you have those chances taking advantage of them so hopefully now that's the playoffs they'll kind of be able to flip that switch and you know kind of just take any opportunity to get and you know put the ball in the back of the net because obviously if you have a rough night and you're just not putting your chances away again the revs could just get sent home in the first round and while the supporter shield's very nice, I'm pretty sure a good chunk of the fan base is going to be quite disappointed if they're knocked out in the first round. I think they need at least one victory uh, in this playoff. And, and it's not going to be an easy draw against New York City, who some people think is the second strongest team in the East. They're really a, a very strong four seed uh, or Atlanta United. Atlanta, obviously not as good as they once were. Uh, you know, not MLS Cup, uh, you know, dominant champs or anything like that. Not the Atlanta United we saw in the playoffs in 2019. Uh, but still, just based on their history, you have to be a little bit concerned that this might be a team that gets hot. And they've certainly played well down the stretch here. So, yeah, a little concerning uh, based on the draw of teams here. But, um, yeah, we'll be an interesting uh, to see how the Revolution prepare for this, this upcoming playoff game. Um all right, the moment you've all been waiting for, James Downing. I assume it will be addressed, but I'd also like your official thoughts now that the rebrand is official, officially. So Sam, rebrand came was announced this week on Thursday morning. Um, the Bent Musket, we, we've shared our thoughts on the Bent Musket a little bit, but we can kind of elaborate here in podcast form and kind of talk about it a little further. Uh, what are our thoughts on this rebrand? Yeah, so I'll actually say something I haven't said before, not even on the Twitter. Uh, it's been talked about in the Bent Musket group chat, but I'll just come out and say it. Uh, so obviously the logo, it is what it is. It's not terrible. Um, I, I, I've i said this to people in the Revolution organization. I'm like, you guys didn't mess it up, but you also didn't hit anything out of the park. You just, you got this logo. You didn't screw anything up. It's fine. Um, but overall, just when you look at the rollout, the lack of a crayon flag merch that's left over, the fact that there's not jerseys or you know hoodies left over, it's just giving off a lot of s- small club energy. I'll call it just basically, you know, you're an MLS team. You should be able to, you know, have all this ready to go. You should be able to have for the last you know run, you know, have crayon flag jerseys or have crayon flag merch and stuff like that. And you have people having to go to Google Lasso Kids because they're one of the only places who has, you know, um, crayon flag merch, crayon flag jerseys. Make sure to use that code Revs Recap. Uh, but overall, 
it just seems like they should have been much more prepared. I mean, obviously, it's a pandemic. There's going to be global supply chain problems. I completely understand that. But it seems like what we're hearing from the team um, about, you know, only being able to purchase once a year and only, you know, being able to do certain things. It just seems kind of something isn't adding up, I guess you could say. Uh, so overall, you know, the rebrand, it is what it is. I don't think it's terrible. Um, maybe of Queen Park's uh, Rangers-ish QPRs, but overall, it's nice. It looks good on merch. Um, I I got a scarf. I got a ha- um, winter hat. Looks pretty cool. Um, but it just it it just seems like this was prepared. Even though it seems to be prepared for a long time, there was still somehow no preparation when it came to ensuring that people can get the old merch that they want also being able to get the new merch that they want. Yeah, there's different levels here that I think we want to talk about here, and you've kind of touched on all of them, and I'll, I'll kind of divide it up into three. But first off, let's talk about just the logo itself um, and the crest itself and the merch. I I think if you look at listen to our, our ones from the summer when the leak was announced, and I know that there's been different um, versions of this, and so we probably were looking at an older version, um, and, and maybe it's just because I've gotten used to it. I actually have grown to like this logo. I know, you know, Queen Park Rangers jokes and, and, you know, jokes like that have been made. I think I called it the Scarlet Letter logo uh, back in the summer. But uh, seeing it on a jacket, seeing it on the hats, I actually really like it. Um, and that's that's really hard to do with an MLS rebrand because MLS rebrands are usually horrible. You Terrible, terrible. I mean, you look at what Chicago Fire had, uh, you know, their first rebrand a few years ago. You look at what the Columbus Crew did. Uh, this past year, um, rebrands usually have a lot of missteps. And I, I think this logo, you know, I'm not in love with it, uh, but it's actually pretty decent. It's pretty good. It looks great on merch, which I think is really the most important thing, or, or at least it's a really, really big factor. So I, I give them passing marks on the logo, the crest. Um, I think it gives them a lot of opportunities with uh, future jerseys. Uh, and the way I'll put it is if you're going to abandon the crayon flag, uh, I think you really needed to hit it. You, you said out of the park, but um, if it's not a home run, you need at least a double. Uh, and I think the majority of people look at this logo and they're fine with it. So I'm, I'm going to give them a lot of credit for that. Um, the second thing, too, is I, I did not realize, and I've learned over the past few months, how many people wanted to move past the crayon flag. And if you have not listened to the Far Post podcast this week, I highly recommend it. Uh, call, call, oh, boy, I'm going to mispronounce his name. But a call, oh, fucking hell. Kafal? <laughs> You know, they make fun of them. You know, they make fun of Jeff for, for mispronouncing it uh, all the time. But it's Cahal, right? Cahal Conlon? Sure. Okay. The director of marketing from the revolution <laughs> uh, <laughs> was on this week, and he, he get, went into a lot of detail about it. Uh, and, and it was a very upfront interview. Uh, and he talked about focus groups. Uh, they talked about who they met with, who they talked to, fans they talked to. Uh, and they talked about the research that went into it. Um, and I think they did all the right steps that this process requires. Um, And one thing that I thought was very interesting, well, there are two things that I thought were very interesting, but one was that he said that everyone said, keep the name new England revolution, which surprised him a little bit. Everyone kind of gave the feedback that new England revolution needed to stay. And so I'm I'm glad that they kept that. That was a, a major home run. And not only did they keep it, but it's a major focus point that they're not another FC. I think that was a, a really wise thing for them to do in the branding. But I think another thing that I learned was that a lot of people associated the crayon flag with mediocrity. Uh, and 
not good soccer, which I thought was really interesting because uh, I kind of tied it to MLS 1.0 and kind of nostalgia. Uh, and I, I think a lot of people don't think highly of that nostalgia. So um, I think in a lot of ways, it's interesting to hear how the crayon flag, not only did people not feel passionately about it, but some people were more than ready to move on from it. So I, I thought that was really interesting. So so beyond the logo and the crayon flag, you're hitting on the process of this rebrand. And I think they this I think this is partially unluck. This is really bad luck for the revolution. Uh, and it's also, I don't want to say their fault, but it's someone's fault. Because as you said, I mean, there have been months without merch in the shop. There have been, I've been seeing tweets about people wanting to buy merchandise uh, and being unable to do so. And maybe they're telling the truth that they can order stuff once a year. That seems crazy to me. I don't know how that's humanly possible that they can't restock their store um, when demand is growing up. Uh, and, and I know that, um, you know, someone made the comment that Jersey sales are up twice as much this year or whatever, but um, this really is the perfect store of supply chain issues. The revs hitting a home run this season with their performance on the field um, and, and also coming through a rebrand. So they probably under ordered, you know, crayon flag stuff and their old jerseys and stuff, knowing that new merchandise is going to be around the horizon. So um, it's kind of a, a big, perfect storm of stuff that kind of leads to, a bit of a dropped pass here where you have a rebrand announcement. And I think a lot of people were, as I say, um, I think it's leading, you know, if you bring in new fans and they want to buy a Jersey and they can't buy a Jersey, that's a missed opportunity. Uh, the revolution have been waiting in the wings for the Boston sports market for years and years and years. And now you finally have their attention um, and you don't have enough merch. Uh, it seems like a really big missed opportunity. So I don't know how much is their fault. I don't know how much is their supplier's fault. Um, there's a lot of factors here, but at the end of the day, I, I can't imagine they're happy with all of this either for the reasons you mentioned. Yeah. And also too, I do think they deserve a lot of credit um, just for making sure that fans were involved in the process. Obviously you saw everything that went down with Columbus and all that. So I think, you know, they definitely do deserve kudos for making sure that, you know, people from, you know, riders and, you know, people from the rebellion, as well as, you know, just average fans were involved in the process. So I think, you know, kudos to them for that. Very good to hear that. But definitely would be nice if, you know, it was much better planned. And obviously, too, if people could just, you know, go out. And there's going to be people who want to get crayon flag, you know, jerseys or whatever. But it just so it just kind of sucks that way. But especially, you know, making sure that they're still new in the revolution. Making sure that, you know... Uh, what's it called? They they get involved with the fans. Those are two, you know, they definitely deserve kudos for that. And then not another FC. They absolutely hit it out of the ballpark with that. So they do deserve kudos for those. I think they did a lot of things really, really well. Um, the only other one criticism I'm going to say is I thought the timing of this was very strange. Um, and I, I understand that this is a multi-year process. So they probably have had this timing set for a long time. Uh, but it's a little weird to, I mean, today was pretty much a celebration of the supporter shield and the greatest, you know, season in revolution history. And this was really a, a, everything positive and all this. And I feel like the rebrand while mostly positive, I would say among revolution fans, um, I think it also led to some arguments between the crayon flag and the new logo and all that. Um, and it almost seems like a weird time where I think maybe you could have held off until after the season. Um, now, uh, I, I believe Brian Palello made comments that said that, you know, people are doing their Christmas shopping. We feel it'd be unfair for our fans to buy 
outdated merchandise, um, which, okay, that's fine. Um, but I just thought it was a bit of an odd timing to uh, announce it months after the original leak came out. Uh, you could have maybe pushed it up a little bit uh, and revealed everything a little bit sooner when we all knew it was coming. Uh, or you could have held off until after the season, so it's not necessarily a distraction on the week that the Revolution are supposed to be uh, celebrating the Supporter Shield. But overall, did they know that they were going to be celebrating the Supporter Shield uh, this week? Probably not. Uh, you know, they, when they set this date, obviously they, they didn't expect it. But again, just kind of part of this perfect storm where it's kind of a bit of an awkward rollout, I'd, I'd say. And there were some parts of it that kind of seemed a little bit weird and a little strange. And they're keeping the crayon flag throughout the end of the year, but they're walking out in their new merchandise today. Um, yeah, really, really strange kind of overall. It's it's just kind of like mixed signals all the way around. Yeah, and also, too, you know, it's been talked about that, oh, you know, we don't want to have our fans, you know, going to the holiday season. Well, I'm pretty sure a bunch of your fans are also going to now spend a boatload of money on new merch. So it's kind of, you know, no matter what, you were probably going to make some cash out of it. But yeah, definitely overall the rollout and everything and, you know, looking back to the whole leak and how everything happened, just kind of a really awkward rollout and definitely could have been executed better. Yeah, good. I think it was a good rollout but there were external factors that made it more awkward. Cause I don't want to put a, a ton on the team. Um, but I, it, there were sometimes it, it felt strange with the timing. I'll put it that way. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, the small things, maybe we're being picky. Uh, but overall, I, I think uh, in general, the, with the, the new logo and the new merch uh, next year, we're going to be looking at the revolution uh, and there's going to be some, some really cool merchandise. So I think overall we can kind of take some satisfaction in that overall, although they're not getting rid of the fort away kit, which I know you and Seth uh, kind of made comments. You were kind of hoping a second kit would come along. Uh, I would, I would have been happy with that too. Again, that might be another league thing. Uh, I was ready to get rid of those uh, fort kits, but alas. Yeah, I'm, I'm also ready to get rid of, the uh we're just going to reuse the spain kit from the world cup and it's going to be a white t-shirt and it's going to look absolutely horrible and it makes me vomit every time i see it yes uh definitely wish they would have replaced that shirt but we're gonna have to put up with it for one more year really. i'll say when the original uh redesign came out when the rebrand came out and the new logo was leaked out i feel like it was 50 50 and over time i think that the 50 people who are negative 50 percent of people who are negative probably 80 to 90%. I, I feel like I'm just judging this on Twitter, but 80-ish to 90-ish percent have come around and actually kind of like it. And this logo might be something that the more you see it, the more you like it. Um, and, and we had, some people made those comments about the Fort Away kit, and that has never worked for me. It's just still a white jersey to me. I'm ready to be done with that Away kit overall. It just never, it never hit home with me at all. So, um, but I like this rebrand. Re I, I think overall um, they did pretty well and they kept the name. And so I, I'm very, very happy with that. They did mostly everything right. And and as I say, if you have not heard last week's Far Post podcast, please go back and listen to it because I, I, uh, I, I really respect that the, the process the team did uh, to, to really, you know, come up with what they did. I, it seems like you look around the league and a lot of people had a lot of missteps. They didn't listen to the fans. They didn't listen to supporter groups. Uh, they changed their names when they had a pretty strong identity in the first place, looking at you, Columbus um, and Montreal. Uh, and uh, I, I think the revolution really hit on all of the key uh, elements of this rebrand that are important. So, uh, Matthew Korzek though, makes one very important distinction here. He says the rebrand is going to cost the revs the cup. They haven't won a game since the rebrand, which is true. 
zero percent, zero win percentage. Uh, so possible curse of the crown flag coming here. Yes, I actually I was talking. We were walking to you know go to the media, and I mentioned it to Seth, and one of the communications you know gave a nice chuckle. So I made sure to give you credit for that you know great observation that the Revs are on a losing streak with since the rebrand has been announced. And I mean, not ideal heading into the playoffs, but yeah. Oh, if they get out in the first round, that's they're they could play the worst game of soccer ever, and people are going to be like, "Oh, it was the rebrand's fault. We did it." That's not their bad play. It's definitely the rebrand. I will uh, fan those flames and get people riled up on Twitter and 100% blame the rebrand. If, uh, if anything happens, if Adam Books's foot gets significantly worse over the next three weeks and the Revolution lose on Thanksgiving or whenever they're playing next to Atlanta United, um, I am fully blaming the rebrand uh, and I will get a lot of people worked up on Twitter. So, uh, yeah, um, I think that does it for today. We did have some notes here. Uh, I just wanted to touch on it real quick. Frank DeLapa of the Boston Globe uh, had some notes here in his post-game article. He said that Bruce Arena said the Revolution are planning on re-signing Bo and, or sorry, they're hoping to re-sign Bo and plan to keep Adam Buxa, who could receive transfer offers. Arena has been negotiating with Bo's agent. He says they, uh, Arena says, we'd like to have them both back next year. We'll work on Bo getting a new contract. Um, and it should be noted that media in Argentina noted that Bo has a team option for next year, which is, is different from what we heard. It, it seemed like Estabobo was implying that he's a free agent at the end of the year, uh, but it seems like he is under team control, according to that report. Uh, and it also should be noted that within six months, players can sign a pre-contract with another team, which Gustavo has not done yet. Uh, so it, it's possible entirely that Gustavo is under team control for one more year and they're working on a new contract, uh, but that is up in the air. Adam Buxa, um, according to Polish media, has one year left on his contract but it seems like he is looking to move to europe according to comments that he has made to the polish media so interesting notes from bruce arena here following the game it seems like even though the playoffs are coming up maybe there's going to be some movement here over the next couple of weeks uh get some business done uh, and wrapped up before the end of the year uh with this little gap over the next few weeks so uh should be should be interesting to keep an eye on to see if there's any transactions there um sam anything uh any final notes or shout outs you want to give before we wrap up here today I mean, it's just going to suck not being able to watch the Revolution play soccer for a while. But it was nice I was able to... Also, I will make one more final comment. The Supporter Shield is rather heavy. I went to take a picture with it, and I tried like lifting it up, and it was only going a certain amount. And it was just like, this is a heavy trophy. I don't know how these players... Especially, like, you know, I'm thinking, like, Stanley Cup and, like... Having to lift that like after playing such a long game, it's like, how do you guys do this? So, credit to the supporter shield for being rather heavy. Yeah, it's it's a bit awkward. It's a bit a little wide too to hold. You know what I mean? It's it's not the easiest thing to pick up in the world, but yeah, I mean they're professional athletes, so I'm sure they have better upper body strength than you and me, Sam. Uh, I mean, I, I think we both have bodies of professional athletes, Greg. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> speak for yourself as a member of over 30 revs my prime has long passed me so same i hurt myself stretching the other day i'm at that age oh no <laughs> i stretched and then it kind of felt funny for the next uh four or five hours so <laughs> you'll get there you'll get there oh I will. uh yeah what are we gonna do for three weeks i don't know i mean 
for us, we might be doing a bonus podcast. Depends on how many reviews we get over the next few weeks. Uh, but Sam, do you have any exciting plans uh, for the next three weeks until Revolution Soccer comes back into our lives? I'll probably just be watching Bruins, uh, covering high school sports like I do in the day job. And uh, wishing, you know, wondering, is Adam Buxa frustrated? What is John Bell up to? And, and sort of that. And I'll just be, hopefully I can get up to training a few times to kind of make the absence, you know, pass along uh, quicker. But definitely it will be weird to just like not be in the press box for that long. We should pressure, because I know the revolution signed John Bell because of the announced John Bell movement. We should do hashtag announce John Bell again and pressure them into signing John Bell to a contract extension. I mean, I think that's a genius idea, and I think we need to run this by the authorities, which is basically Seth who created the announced John Bell movement. So I, I think we have we, we're playing with fire here. I think we got something good. If you are listening to this podcast, and if I didn't edit this out, which I probably won't because I'm lazy, tweet out hashtag announce John Bell again, uh, and let's see how long it'll take to get John Bell a contract extension. That's what I say. Hell yeah. Um, well, yeah, now that we've covered that, I, that wraps us up for today. Uh, you can follow Sam at Sam Minton. That's right. That's your Twitter handle, right? I mean, it's not. It's at Sam underscore Minton 22. Uh, booyah. Uh, definitely follow, but also make sure to follow the Bent Musket. Uh, we have a bunch of great stuff. A lot of great writers, including Greg, a very great writer. I loved reading his stuff. And, you know, make sure to follow us. We'll definitely have plenty of content to uh, keep you, you know, interested throughout this break. So definitely, you know, keep an eye out. And, you know, Greg, it was an absolute blast. I love having you on, Sam. It's really great uh, having you on. You're my favorite boss. Uh, Between you and my other boss, uh, you are my favorite because you come on my podcast uh, and also, my other boss makes me do work, whereas uh, I just have to write an article for the Bent Musket like once a month for you. So, uh, congrats! Uh, I'll, I'll have to give you, I'll have to buy you one of the uh, world's best boss mugs uh, for Christmas this year. Not oh, oh man, that uh, that that would that would be quite the scene. <laughs> you can follow us at Twitter uh, on Twitter at Revolution Recap, and also make sure you're following at the Bent Musket so you can read by one article a month. Uh, but also follow our Twitter at Revolution Recap. Follow our Twitter, or sorry, follow our uh, Instagram, uh, Revolution Recap Instagram and Facebook pages. Uh, and please make sure you check out our sponsor, Galasso Kits, on Twitter at Galasso Kits and on Instagram. Uh, and go see them at uh, GalassoKits.com and use our promo code REVSRECAP for 15% off your order. We will not be back until well we're going to be back for our first playoff game uh, in a few weeks we may have a bonus episode depends on how many reviews we get uh, if you want a bonus episode give us a review on itunes or wherever you are listening it means a lot we really appreciate it uh, until our next episode thank you everyone for listening and go revs <laughs>